if you're constantly going back into an environment where the environment is stronger than your willpower, you will default back to their beliefs because our biggest fear as human beings is really being kicked out of the tribe. Welcome everyone to Do Well and Do Good. You're here because you have the desire to create financial freedom, but you also want to make a powerful positive impact on the world. This podcast exists to tell the inspiring stories of men and women who have achieved both, people who do well and do good. I'm your host, Dorothy Ilson, and I'm here to help you discover proof that individuals have the ability to make a massive impact. Before I jump in, I want to remind all of you to make sure you're following me on Instagram. That is the best place to stay on top of what's going on with the show, who my guests are each week, and to get an inside peek into my life and my entrepreneurial journey. You can find me at Dorothy Ilson. That's D-O-R-O-T-H-Y-I-L-L-S-O-N. And now I am so excited to tell you about today's guest, Lori Harder. Lori grew up in a tiny town in Michigan, really believing that her family was cursed with bad genetics and that weight challenges, anxiety, and struggle were simply going to be an unavoidable part of her life. She left that town at 18 to discover the world and herself, and after a tumultuous few years, realized that she had the power to write a new story. Lori fell in love with fitness and put in the work until she was a three-time world champion, gracing the covers of health magazines and inspiring other women to take control of their own destiny. Today, Lori runs multiple seven-figure businesses along with her husband, Chris. She hosts the top 100 podcast, Earn Your Happy, with over 6 million downloads. She's founder of the Bliss Project event, which has had thousands of attendees, And she is now on tour promoting her new book, A Tribe Called Bliss, all of which you can find out more about at LoriHarder.com. Lori, I seriously can't tell you what an honor it is to have you on the show. How are you doing today? Oh my God. I'm so excited to be here, first of all. And yeah, I'm doing amazing today. Whenever I can just talk, I think with another person who, number one, is podcasting and number two, uh, just is basically a female sharing, sharing this <laughs> similar paths. is just, I think it's so much fun because we were just saying before this, we are all so similar and we don't realize it until we really dig in and have these conversations. And it frees us up of so much when we realize that. Yeah, totally. I, I said just before we hit record that I truly felt as I was reading your book, like there were moments I was just like, she is writing this directly mm-hmm. to me. So I love I hearing that. Yeah. Well, so Lori, I want to talk all about tribes and why they're so important. But first, I want to touch a little bit on your story and specifically some of the low points because, you know, you have accomplished so much in your career, but it hasn't always been so easy. So I actually heard you and Chris speak on stage at the Thrive Conference in September, and you told this story that you called the Great Chicken Nugget Battle of 2006. (laughs) And I just (laughs) absolutely loved it. So I was hoping that we could actually start by sharing that story and setting the stage for, you know, your turning point, if you will. Mm. You know, there's so many, it's funny because I was like, oh, let's tell our rock bottom stories. Like, so people can really relate to us and understand, like, these are some of the most important things 
that happen in our lives a lot of times is those moments that just feel like the lowest of lows. Um, and you think you're alone in them. And it's funny because as we were writing our talk, I'm like, man, we have a lot of rock bottom stories to choose from. I was like, wait, so I'm only telling two and you're only telling two, like I need more time. But we chose that one because I think as a couple, what was really important to get across across as well, and not just as a couple, but what we can end up doing to our relationships and our life when we are at a rock bottom point, because a lot of times that's when we tend to push the people we love the most away because we want someone or something to blame not taking responsibility for ourselves. So for me at that point in my life, I had, you know, you kind of touched on it earlier, but I was from a really small town, from a really isolated uh, religion. And also I just didn't have a lot of outside experience with thinking that anything was possible. I did not think that way at all. It was really like, I thought I was on this path to, I wanted to be something I had this dream in my soul and I I could see it, but I did not think it was possible because in my life, I truly only saw people who went into victim mode. So for me, my default was victim mode. And also what happens when you're in victim mode was you do a lot of numbing. You do a lot of things that you think make yourself feel good momentarily, but actually in the long term, don't make yourself feel good. So I was in my mid twenties, um, my husband and I had just moved again and he um, was working in the mortgage and finance industry and I was doing random jobs and I had this big dream inside of my soul that I knew I wanted to help inspire women. I wanted to do fitness. I wanted to be um, an inspiration for people, except getting from where I was to where I wanted to go seemed virtually impossible because I had a lot of panic. I had a ton of anxiety. I was still really relying on these old habits or these crutches of binge drinking, binge eating, and that seemed to numb it for a while. But as we know, a lot of those habits, they go on and they go on and they go on. And all of a sudden you get to this point where it's like, no matter how much you eat or no matter how much you drink, you get to this point where you're just numbing and you realize that that thing is not fixing it anymore. So what happened for me is I knew I needed to do something. I knew I wanted to go after this dream. And one night we had come home from the bars. We had drank again all weekend long. And all of a sudden it was like, got back to the house. A new week was going to start in just a little bit again on the weekend. And I literally was like, had this moment of, I can't live this way anymore. Like I cannot go on and live this same thing and numb out and go back to another Monday of me not taking action and not becoming the person that I want to be. And it was like, I had this one last moment of this temper tantrum of like grasping for straws. I don't know if you've ever been there when you know that a change has to come, but it's like, you're so afraid and you're so uncomfortable that I looked up and all I could see was Chris. And I had these chicken McNuggets in my hand because we'd gone to the bar and we did what we always do. We go through a drive-through and all I wanted to do was blame him for my lack of showing up to my fear, my lack of confronting my own fear. And he was like the only person in my life at the time. And what do we do? We want to blame and we sabotage ourselves. So it was like this last little bit of like, I can't live this way anymore and I hate who I am. So I just took it all out on him and started throwing chicken nuggets at his head. Not a, This was after dipping them. Like I would dip it in sour sauce. <laughs> amazing literally dip it in sweet and sour sauce and like chuck it at his head and i was like i hate my life i hate where we're at I hate, like i can't i have anxiety i can't go on like just this pure like don't even know what you're saying but this feeling of 
Yeah. I can't live this way anymore. And I woke up the next day and I was like, oh my God, did I, was that it? Like, was that the last straw? Did I just push this person away? But what happened is I, I went to that brink of like, you're going to lose everything. Like you thought you, you're, you're not already not living as you want to be living at all. You're so miserable. You're in so much pain. And then you're going to push the last good thing in your life away. And it was a moment of like, wow, I have to start confronting my fears and anxiety and moving forward. So there's a lot more of that story, but I'm not going to go too long-winded. Yeah. Well, so of course, just realizing that, you know, realizing you want to make a change, it doesn't immediately erase those decades of negative thought patterns about yourself. So how did you start to rewrite those stories that you had about yourself? So that's, I love that you just asked that because the, the moment in between, so there's a moment of, of decision, right? So for me, there was a decision there that happened of, I have to start making changes. But what it actually looked like was years after that. I mean, there was probably like three years of just trying to figure out what it even looks like and making smaller decisions and taking the long route around to figure out how to get out of the place I was at. Because when you're in such a low place, it's because you don't actually know how to get out or you haven't put thought to it. So for me, some of the things that I did was like, how do I make yesterday even different than today? Like, or how do I make today different than yesterday? So for me, it was like, what's going to make me happy? What do I even want to do? Like start asking better questions. And also some days it was, what's the least I can do to just make myself feel better? So some days it was even just like, get out for a walk or go to the gym instead, or start trying to meet different people that you, who are doing the things that you want to do. There were a million little things that have basically started to change my life from that point. But I'll tell you, one of the main things was I wanted to do fitness competitions at that point in my life. And because I was so afraid that I wasn't even looking into it, but what you have to do is set a goal. So for me, I started looking at fitness competitions that were around me and also who can help me with this because you're not going to do it alone. So these were two major factors that really started to change my life is starting to set an actual goal and lock it in. So it was, where's a fitness competition? And then it was, who can help me with this? And then the next thing after I found who can help me with this, it was, okay, what date can I lock in to go and get help around this? Or how can I start getting the money to make sure that I can go and do this? And once you narrow down your focus, it's like, oh my God, you start actually moving the needle because you've gotten more clear on what it is that you need to do. So a lot of times, the reason you feel like you're flailing is because you're just not focused. That's all. You think like, oh, I don't even know where to start. You actually do. It's just that you're keeping yourself safe by not asking the right question. So you have to say, what would be the right question for me to ask in order to start moving forward? And for me, it was, okay, if that's something that's interesting to you, then start researching it. And if you don't know, then the first question needs to be, what sounds interesting to me? Whose career am I drawn to? Who am I drawn to and why? What books do I like? Okay, what's that author about? Okay, like really looking at what's the career? What was their path? Can I reach out? We have, we have Google and we have social media now and we have direct messaging for people. Like we have access to all of... I answer every single direct message. So there's like no excuse for anything anymore for not ask, like just ask questions. You can get all of the answers. It's your willingness to actually take 
the action and the steps. And I'm telling you that it's the small steps that actually move the needle the most. So it's when we take on way too much that we get really discouraged. So really small actions are what are going to move that needle the most. Well, and I love the the way that you talk about this, you know, set a goal for yourself because I think just by nature the goals that one might set, whether it be, you know, something around your health, so wanting to do fitness competitions, something around, you know, your career, or if you're an entrepreneur business, you know, making more money, you know, starting a side hustle, whatever it might be. Most goals that people are going to pick are going to by nature force us to move away from those bad habits that are keeping us stuck. Like if you want to do fitness competitions, you can't be going out drinking every weekend and then going to McDonald's. Would you agree? Yeah, I would absolutely agree. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, so I think that another, it's such a perfect segue because one of the biggest things that helps us to move in a more positive direction and start to rewrite these stories about ourselves is looking at the people that we are surrounding ourselves with. And so your book is really all about creating tribes that foster meaningful connection and help us to reach our potential. So for people who you know haven't read the book, aren't familiar with this concept, you know, what do you mean by a tribe, first of all? And then why is it so important? So a, a tribe is really the people around you and we have them everywhere. So uh, your tribe is your family. Your tribe is people at work. Um, your tribe is basically the people that you're seeing the most in your community. It's the ideas, it's the habits, it's the things that are reinforced in your life. And it's so incredibly important because it is the reinforcers. You can create habits all day long, but if you're hanging around people who do not have those same habits, you will fall to the lowest level level of the habits and way of life of the people that you're around the most. So no matter what you do, you have to create an environment where your habits can also thrive. And the biggest question that I get is, okay, well, what if you're, you know, the tribe that you're around the most is your family and you try to change your habits, but you go back and, you know, your family doesn't believe this or they don't support what you're doing. And, you know, I think that and the whole book is about that particular scenario, basically. What do I do if I don't have the people around me who support where I want to go? It's about building tribes for where you want to go and not where you're at. It's really starting to collect these people along the way because I think people have this idea that the people that are in their lives right now are going to be the people who are always going to be on their path in the future. And that's really typically not the case. You will still have those people in your life if you choose to have them in your life, but they'll show up in a different way. So you'll also spend maybe a bit less time if it's not the greatest relationships with them, and you'll spend more time with your future tribe and the people of where you're going. Totally. I, I think one of the big fears or you know things that keeps people stuck in their tribe, though, is this this fear of leaving family and other loved ones behind. What's been your experience with that? I'm curious, like I was wondering throughout the book, you know, have people in your family followed in your footsteps? Not so much. Could you talk about that? Yeah, that's a great question. (laughs) So I have, my family and I have had a relationship that we have worked on for so many years now. Like 10 years ago, we had a super strained relationship because we have completely different religious beliefs. So in the religious beliefs that they hold are very, they're very strict. It's like, if you, you can't hang around people who don't, who are non-believers. Mm-hmm. So that includes family members. 
So if you are not a believer, they basically don't want you to spend time in that. So basically that's a really powerful tribe. <laughs> it's like, okay. It's like, okay, well you, it's, it's such a powerful belief that it's like, no, we know how, when you really think of it, they know how powerful influence is on people. So they just don't want you to hang out with people outside of that. So if we think of that, like, that's like, wow, that's actually, you know, if you want to get somewhere or go somewhere or do something, you kind of have to apply that same idea of like, you need to hang around people who believe this if you want to keep believing it. Or guess what happens? The whole reason they don't want you to hang out with other people is because they don't want you to not believe it. You know, they want you to reinforce those beliefs. So it's kind of that idea of like making sure if you want to believe something, you have to go find people who believe that with you or you will fall into their beliefs. So as far as with family, it's been a constant work in progress for me. And um, in the beginning, it was really tough because it was like they couldn't understand why I would leave, you know, and for a while there was a, a little bit touch and go where now we've decided, you know, at least my parents and I, that we want a relationship. So what does this look like? Um, if we want to have a relationship, but we can't necessarily bond over those things or do those certain things. So that's been a conversation of, okay, well, you know, what can we do? How can we connect? What can we talk about? And also in the beginning, it was like, well, how much time can I spend in this mindset? Because they knew in the beginning, like, for the mindset of just health and basically like lack mindset because they really came from a place of struggling. For me, I've had this conversation where I was like, I actually had to leave in order to find who I was and what I believed on my own because otherwise it was very easy for me to go back into the life is hard. Um, you're only going to struggle and you know, it's your genetics that you're going to probably be overweight when you're, when you're older. So for me, I had to leave that and I couldn't necessarily have that conversation early on. And that's the hard part, the transition part where people are like, well, what if, what if it's your family and oh my God, I don't want to leave them. Well, to be quite honest with you, here's what people don't want to hear. If you want to make a big change, you do have to go in a transition period where you do have to walk along. You're going to have to until you create this new group of people who are going to help you reinforce your new habits. You may have to leave for a while and spend less time with them. I'm not saying leave them high and dry. I am saying if you want to make a big change in your life, whether it is about your health or whether it's about your abundant mindset, whether it's about your beliefs, if you're constantly going back into an environment where the environment is stronger than you, because your environment is stronger than your willpower. So if you're in that environment all of the time, you will default back to their beliefs because our biggest fear as human beings is really being kicked out of the tribe. It's not being loved. It's being alone because survival was being in a group right back in the day. So it's like, don't be alone. Don't be in a group. And the thing is, or don't, don't be without your group because it's like at the end of the day, we feel and our tribe makes us feel like if we don't believe what they believe will be criticized and will be basically kicked out. So it's kind of that idea of, oh my God, all of our senses are telling us don't go against the tribe tribe's unspoken agreements. So what happens is we're so afraid to be alone that we never take that transition period because we don't understand that we can actually create new groups of people and go into new groups of people and go to new places where we could be supported. So that's what this is all about is like, okay, well, 
How do we get into these groups? How do we create these groups? How do we go to the places to get that support that we need until we become our own person, until we get strong enough to really have these new beliefs to go back into that old environment and still be strong enough to go back and still be us, right? So that took me a really long time to be like, no, this is me. I feel good about this. I know who I am. I have these really powerful beliefs because I have these really incredible habits now to lock it in. Now I can go back and visit my family and not fall back into really hardcore habits and beliefs. It's like, yes, I can still see those beliefs creep back in. I eat more. I tend to drink more. I can tend to like want to bond over things that are you know, challenging. Um, but now it's like, no, I can still be me. And now I can also help them. Now I'm strong enough to actually help them and, uh, help change perspective and maybe help shift their ideas on different things. So that's really has what has happened is now they're like, Oh my God, like I, I love feeling this way or I love thinking this way. How did you do it? Or I want to be healthier. So now my family's like a lot healthier. I would love to say that that's partially because of me. I don't know, but I really think hopefully, but you do have to walk alone for a little bit. And that was the hard part for my family is like, they didn't understand why I was pulling away. And I couldn't really tell them I wasn't ready to have that conversation because I wasn't strong enough. So there's a transition period where I did do a lot alone and it was really painful. And I did question if I was doing the right thing. I did question if I was a good person or not, because you feel like a bad person but you have to get out in order to go back and save someone. It's kind of the idea of like putting the oxygen mask on first. Like you have to go and figure that out before you can go back. Totally. Totally. And, you know, of course with the religious element, that's very unique, but you know, with anyone, if you have, you know, say you have people in your life who are negative, you know, they, they tend to look at the downside, they have a lack mindset, you know, whatever it is. If this is your family or your, you know, partner or, you know, someone in your life who, you know, you don't want to separate yourself from, how can people go about setting boundaries and, you know, communicating or, you know, what, what steps can we take to uh, make it easier, you know, help people understand and, you know, help okay. So good. (laughs) This is so good. And I I love that you said make it easier because one thing I want to say is this is the hardest thing you'll ever do. So there are ways to make it easier, but I do want to go into this conversation with people understanding that I'm going to share exactly what you can do. And it's up to you to understand that all of the things that will free you are going to be the toughest things you'll ever do. And it's going to feel like crap. (laughs) It's going to feel awful, but it will free you on the other side of it. So having faith and leaning into knowing that you are breaking years of programming in yourself and in this person. And it feels like it's going against everything that you've ever seen, everything that you've ever known. So I think the first thing that you can do, especially if it's a partner um, or a family member, is to really get clear on your side of the story first. And when I say your side of the story is what, what do you really want this conversation? What do you want out of this conversation? And also the utmost love and respect for the person you're about to talk to and know that their perspective is their perspective. You cannot change it. This is their life. This is like, all you're doing is telling them your side and understanding that their how they respond may not be what you want to know at all. In fact, it probably won't be the first few times because this is not a one-time conversation. This is going to be a 10, 20, 50, 100-time conversation. 
that's why when people are like, it didn't work. I'm like, how many times have you had this? <laughs> because I've had my conversation 50 to a hundred times for sure. Wow. Legitimately for real. Yeah. Um, but now I'm free. Like now we get each other. So there is freedom and it will get easier. Like the third or fourth time you have the conversation, you're kind of like, okay, I'm just going to keep repeating myself over and over because we teach people how to treat us. So one thing is knowing like view them with love, commit to peace, like peace being your outcome. So even if that means you having to stop the conversation being like, this is maybe this isn't a good time right now. Like clearly we can't hear each other right now. So let's come back to it. Um, the, the second thing is asking them, like, don't come at them when they're three beers in at Thanksgiving, like not a good idea. This is a conversation that you say, is this a good time? Like, could we get together and just have a conversation because I love you and I really want, um, I would love your support. I can just, you know, I, I feel like I would really thrive if I had your support in something that I want to do in my life and asking for their support, maybe letting them know how important their role is in your life and saying, you know, I, this is something I know that I want to do. This is something I know that I can do, but in order for me to do it, I really feel like your support would be so powerful for me because you're good at this, this, and this, or I value you for this, this, and this. So really try to get that wall down on them because if you, or bring the wall down, because if you go at a conversation that's like, because you do this to me, I can't do my dream. Or because you're like this, I can't. Okay, they're, they are legit going to go into full-on battle mode. So remembering, this is a sensitive subject. Like You can't blame someone. This has to be a conversation about you taking full ownership and you asking them for different ways that they could help you. And that's a really powerful thing by acknowledging like, wow, this is your strength. I could really use this here. Not, you make me feel this way. No use. It's all about, you know... I feel this way, or this is something that I'm working through. So take on full ownership in that conversation. And then really understand that you like tell them your intention for the conversation, why you want to do the thing that you want to do, and that you're completely, you want to hear what they have to say. That at the end of the day, you're committed to wanting to stay close in the relationship. Mm -hmm. And you know, the whole reason that you're having the conversation in the first place as well is because you don't want to grow or move away from the person as you become the person you know you're supposed to be. You want to be on the same path. So those are really powerful things that you can say. But for sure, ask if it's a good time or when is the good time to have this conversation and let them know your intention of uh, remaining close in the relationship or getting closer um, and that you have like the outcome of, of peace in mind. Right. I love that. And especially not trying to force them to you know, share those beliefs right away. Because when you try to force people into it, they just dig their heels in versus if if you have this conversation and then lead by example, then, you know, maybe they will, maybe they won't, but there's at least a chance that they're going to see the the changes in your life and come to that same conclusion on their own. Oh my God, yes. So amazing point because... The thing is, in the beginning, they probably won't come along right away. But what's going to happen is if you keep on putting that boundary there or saying, this is why, or keep on asking for what you need or putting that boundary there or saying, this space is for me or whatever that, or for me to, to move forward, the more that they watch you enforce that and the more that they watch you actually go for it, you're actually giving them permission on something that they did not think was possible in their lives. And you can't, like, you can create such a perspective shift when you get to be that person who is in their life, who's actually moving forward and enforcing a boundary. It's so incredibly powerful. 
Well, Lori, one of really the reason that I was so excited to have you on the podcast and I've had Chris on the podcast as well is that you really do embody the ethos of do well and do good, which is all about you know how we can take the success we've created in our own lives and leverage that to have a greater impact, to give back, to to help other people. So, could you talk a little bit about that? You know, how has creating this success in your life allowed you to you know do more to give back and and really create your legacy? Oh my, it's been, it's literally been everything. We would not, I wouldn't be able to give back at all if I hadn't first um, basically followed my dreams. Because what happens is before we follow that thing that we want to do or create that business or become that person, we are very much into our own pain. And I think that we can all think back to times when it's like, when we're not fulfilling our, or doing the things that we know fulfill us. This is even a self-care thing. When you're not taking care of yourself, the pain in your life is your only focus. It's all you can focus on. So it's very self-centered to actually not do the things that make you feel good, to not do the things that take care of yourself and to not move forward with your goals or your dreams or your business. That's the first thing I want to say, because there, the focus is so in like, internal on yourself. It's like, I'm in pain. Oh my gosh, why is this person doing this to me? It's very um, like a, a victim mode because we're not taking full responsibility of our lives. And from that place, when we're focusing on our pain, we're definitely not focusing on how to help other people. Right. I don't know if you've ever been there, but on days when it's like maybe my anxiety is super flared up or you're not feeling good about yourself, I am not thinking about how I can help someone and I'm not thinking about how I can be nice to someone or make someone's day. It's the last thing on my mind. It's very much like, here's what's going on, and here's who I'm blaming, here's how I'm feeling bad, here's how I'm feeling jealous, here's how I'm judging someone. I'm not like, let me hold the door for you. I'm like, mm, get out of my way. <laughs> um, <laughs> so when we can first realize that, it's like, because if you can't give back monetarily, there's huge ways to give back. First, I want to talk about this before we talk about the money factor. You know, a lot of people are like, well, I'm not making money yet, so I can't really make the changes I want or make the shift in the planet or help people. And that is... At your energy at the at your highest level can shift somebody in such a massive way that it could change their whole day, their whole life, and everything that they're doing. I really believe your vibration can completely change an, uh, somebody else's path. So that is so powerful to know that when you get outside of yourself and you start making those shifts and you start thinking about other people, that you can start to show up in the vibration of helping somebody else level up their vibration because when you are in a good place, you get all of that energy back, right? It's like really high energy that can help shift. Okay. So from that place, when we start to follow our dream and we start to commit to whether it's that business that you want to start, that's when you can actually start giving back monetarily as well. So in from a really abundant mindset place of having more than enough, because a lot of people are like, well, I just want to have enough to get by. That's a super disempowered thought. I'm just going to be like, put it out there because if you can get enough to get by, you can get, you can make enough. You, you have it in you to make enough to not just get by, but to thrive. And when you're in a place of thriving, that's when your cup is overflowing, meaning that everything that's overflowed can go to someone else. So from that place of being really abundant, you can now say, what problems light me up the most? Like what gets me the most angry or what gets me the most upset? And you can start actually putting money, which is just an energy. 
It's a very powerful energy towards that thing so that you can help start to shift that thing. So it's really powerful to not only, let's just say something happens, you know, let's just use, there's, there's a hurricane. We'll, we'll use that one because it's very recent. Like there's a hurricane in Texas. Okay. I want to give back, but the only way I can give back right now is like to share it and to try to help people get, you know, get money, which is awesome. That's a beautiful thing to do. But now we're going to go to the next level where you actually have money and you can be like, wow, I can actually provide meals for people. Or wow, I can actually help provide services that can get people more help. Or now I can actually help build homes. Wow, this is incredible. So it's one of the most selfless things that you can do is to thrive and be abundant and change your mindset and let your cup overflow and take care of yourself so that you can get into, without taking care of ourselves, we can't even get into the vibration where we can thrive because thriving really starts from a place of believing that you can thrive and feeling like you're thriving in your health and in your mindset and in your, you know, your tribes within your community. So I think it's the most selfless act that you can do is to make sure you're taking care of, not just your needs are met, but that you're thriving so that all that overflow can go to other people. Gosh, Lori, I'm going to have to have you back on the show because there are about a million questions that I want to ask you about abundance mindset and manifestation and you know all of these incredible things that you're talking about. But unfortunately, we're running out of time. So I'm going to move into what we call the impact round. So I'll ask you a series of short questions and basically just respond with the first answer that pops into your head. Ready? I'm ready. Awesome. So who has been the most impactful person in your journey to do well and achieve financial success? You know, the first person that came to my mind when you said to do well and achieve financial success is my husband because he's got such an abundant mindset that it's like, he just has always helped me shift into a really abundant mindset because he's, he's always thought it was possible. And I think having that in your life every single day has been really powerful for me. Awesome. I love that. And anyone listening who wants to learn more about Chris, you can head back to episode 24 and uh, hear all about that. So then, Lori, who has been the most impactful person in feeding your drive to do good and make an impact? Oh my goodness. I mean, I honestly, I'll say Oprah because I have watched her since I don't even know when. And I just, the power of what happens when somebody follows their passion and creates a platform where they do so much good in the world. I've been so inspired by the platform she's created that she literally now has the power to just talk about something and it ripples throughout the universe. So the power of our platforms that we have when we really, she commits to making sure that I feel like the people she brings on and works with truly have the most beautiful intentions. So I'll say that I really look at her career and try to model after doing the due diligence of like really looking at the people that you surround yourself with and work with and the power of a platform that you create. I love that you brought up Oprah. I mean, you have done way more amazing things in your life and your career than I could begin to talk about on this podcast. But Mm -hmm. I know you just like two days ago got back from being a featured speaker on Oprah's cruise. Is that right? Oh my God. It's so weird. Like right when you said that, I was like, well, it's really her. And so for me, it's a, it's a massive manifestation. She's been on my vision board for, uh, since we lived in Minneapolis. So at least seven to eight years, like every year I have something about wanting to work with Oprah or a team or whatever that looks like, because I just, I, I think it, for me, it was the biggest just confirmation that I'm on the path that I really want to be on. So it was such an honor. Like I'm still just real, like it almost seems, this is the thing, like when things start happening in your life, you're, 
you have to like sit in them because it seems so unreal that they're actually happening. Like, wow, I know that manifestation works because of my life, but then you really get a confirmation. You're like, oh my God, this really works. <laughs> this really clear focus is so powerful. Yeah, yeah, totally. And I think I know you had uh, actually a, a podcast episode on Earn Your Happy where you talked all about how you manifested this experience with Oprah. So everyone head to lauriharder.com, find the podcast and check out that episode to hear more about that because it's seriously so cool. All right, awesome. So then the next one, Lori, I know that you have a ton of mindset, personal development practices that you do. So give us just the quick hits. What are your you know, daily habits that you, that you practice? Well, the first thing is really waking up and having a mantra, but the mantra just rep it's not about the mantra. Like I'm happier, healthier, wealthier, and more fit than I was yesterday is our mantra every morning. The mantra when I say it is a remembrance that I choose. Like I choose every morning. So when I say that it's like, no, I choose, I might feel this way right now because I do believe some people are more like my husband wakes up pretty much happy every day. I don't. I'm just being really honest. Like I wake up and I I talk about it all the time, but it feel like I have spiritual amnesia. I go to bed, I'm like, this is who I am. This is what makes me happy. Oh my God, today was awesome. And I wake up and I'm like, like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. And I'm like, hello, like, look at your life. This is what you get to do. Like, I think I just am a little bit more predisposed to maybe being a little depressed or anxious. So for me, and it gets better every, it's gotten better every year. So I do believe that can also shift as well. But I think that's important for people to hear. Like there's a lot of us who don't wake up feeling super happy and it's easy to forget that we get to choose. So the mantra is about choosing, first of all. And then for me, because I do run, I can run more anxious. For me, it's really important to meditate and to read and to remember. So those are like my remembrance acts of like, okay, how, how do you become a happy human? Like what makes you feel good? What are your, what are your habits? So meditation, reading, and these don't take long, you guys. Reading can even be five, five or 10 minutes. For me in the morning, it's choosing that instead of social, right? It's choosing that instead of social media for me. So I'll check in on that later, but I'm like, that doesn't make me happy. That throws me into comparison mode. That throws me into feeling behind and judgment, um, especially being three hours behind everyone. I'm like, wait, I've already started like a company this morning. And I'm like, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh my God. What? Um, not a good, the mornings are super vulnerable for people. So be really aware of what you're consuming in the morning because it will make or break your day. Like you're very raw in the morning. You're not ready yet. Like you're kind of like, that's how it feels. Like you just feel a bit more weak in the morning. So make sure that you're doing things to make yourself feel stronger, not weaker. Walking right away or moving my body is so important. We can't forget that we are, you know, we are souls that have a body, but the body is, this is our physical reality right now. So if you want to know who you are and to feel good, you have to move your body. It is the house for who you are. And it requires movement to access all of the wisdom, creativity, and knowledge that you need to access for the day. So go and move your body, whatever that looks like. So those are my things that are like non-negotiables. Don't get me wrong. When we say non-negotiable, I mean, it's majority of the week. But if I'm like, even when I was on the Oprah cruise or whatnot, it was like, I worked out, but there were days where I couldn't. There were three days where I actually couldn't go and work out. And it's like, have grace in those periods. And I didn't meditate every day and I didn't work out every day and I ate like crap some days and that's okay. Like it's so important to bring in grace and be like, that's okay. I, my, I know who I am. I'm going to get back to my routine. 
It's all good. So that's how it looks. That's how life looks. You're going to get out of your routine and you're going to say it's okay and you're going to get back into it. Yeah. Not beating yourself up is critical because then you don't perpetuate the, the problem. Totally. Yeah. Well, Lori, my book recommendation for everyone listening to this is A Tribe Called Bliss. I, like I told you, just absolutely adored it. But what would you say is a book that you find yourself recommending to people most often? Oh, most often it's so different. But, you know, a lot of people ask me about, they're like, I'm stuck or I can't forgive myself or they're just having trouble moving forward from their story or their old beliefs. And for me, I had a lot of freedom early on with Marianne Williamson, A Return to Love. That was really powerful for me of just forgiveness, forgiving people in my life, forgiving myself and letting go. That was so powerful. But I'll tell you around abundance, it was T. Harbecker's Secret of the Millionaire Mind. That was really, really powerful uh, powerful for me for changing my money story. Awesome. We'll link to both of those in the show notes. And then the final impact round question, Lori, and I'm so excited to ask you specifically this one. What is the best piece of advice related to happiness that you would give our listeners? It's what I follow all of the time. And it's really tuning in and saying, what what would bring me joy right now? Like really digging into asking myself every week or every month saying, am I, what would make me actually happy today? Not like long-term, but how do I build a happy day, not a happy month or year? Because if you start implementing those things um, to build a happy day, whether that's a dance class or lunch with a friend or, you know, a really amazing almond milk and turmeric latte or whatever, chocolate or a burger, I don't know. Um, But really asking what truly makes you happy. So It's not about what brings you pleasure. It's what would make a happy day that when your head hits the pillow, you're like, that was a good day. Yeah. And I know you have so much more to say on that topic, which is why everyone needs to go check out Earn Your Happy. Really, your podcast is just a treasure trove of of information on that. So Lori... As you know, here on the show, we have what I like to call the do well and do good challenge. So this is where we encourage our listeners who want to do more to give back to contribute to the organizations that are nominated by our guests. Could you tell us what nonprofit you are nominating and why it's so meaningful to you? Uh, Well, Chris and I do a lot of work with Pencils of Promise and it's been really powerful working with them because what happens, especially in other areas when somebody gets educated, um, it completely changes their entire life, which then changes the entire next generation that's coming from them. So I think that if you want to make real change, you have to look at what are the things that are really making change in different places. So education is such a powerful thing from just an empowerment standpoint for so many people in, in, um, you know, these other countries. So, and in our country, the Pencils of Promise has been a really beautiful group of people to work with. It's been like so much fun watching what actually happens because you get to see the outcomes of what all these kids who have gotten educated and gone through the educational system have been doing. Like it has literally completely impacted their entire villages. Like we got to go and see some of the people who had who had gone through the different educational system, even from, I believe, like five or six years ago. And it was like, oh my God, the things that they're doing and the possibilities that have opened up for them. And now it's like, it's kind of the Roger Bannister effect where one person ends up going to college or ends up doing something. Then all of a sudden, like the whole community is following in those footsteps. So that's been really cool to see. Awesome. I love that you're nominated Pencils of Promise. It truly is 
such a powerful organization and definitely encourage all of our listeners to head into the show notes so you can find those donate links and links to learn more about all the work that they're doing. And also in the show notes, I'm going to post everything that you need to know about how to find Lori. Uh, everything is on lauriharder.com, but we'll also post links directly to the book where you can pick that up as well as the Earn Your Happy podcast and the Bliss Project. Lori, I really can't thank you enough for coming on the show. It's been so much fun to have you. Oh, I just want to say thank you. And I want to say that you are like an awesome host. You are just ask amazing questions. And I think you're amazing. So thank you so much for having me. All right, everyone. That's our show. Now, before I sign off, I want to introduce any new listeners to how the Do Well and Do Good Challenge works. There are two ways that you can participate. The first is if you are looking to do more to give back, I encourage you to contribute to any of the nonprofits nominated by my guests. Send a screenshot of your receipt to challenge at dowellanddogood.co and your donation will be included in our monthly tally of the tangible impact this podcast is having. The second way you can participate is absolutely free and that's by voting. See, in the first couple days of each month, we host a vote inside of our free Facebook community to determine which of the nonprofits nominated the month before that I will then donate a portion of my advertising agency's profits to. It's an awesome way to make your voice heard, and we've been able to raise money for some incredible organizations doing good in the world. So if you'd like to be a part of it, then head over to dowellanddogood.co backslash Facebook, where you'll find a link to join the group. Once you're inside, I'm also sharing tips, ideas, resources, and more to help you both increase your income and your impact. We're having so much fun inside there. So head over again to dowellanddogood.co backslash Facebook, and I'll see you on the inside. It means the world to me to earn your time. So thank you so much for listening. Thank you.